everybody. It's Sean Harwell. This is the Never Heard of It podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about movies that have fallen through our cracks and maybe some of yours. You know I don't do this alone, thank God. Say hello to my co-host, Craig Moorhead. And Craig Moorhead, say hello to the people. Hello, people. I'm Craig Moorhead, and I'm back. Cool. You're off the hook now. You can go back to sleep. Appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was actually I was actually yawning through most of your intro. No offense. I, no, I don't blame you. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be done yawning when it came, but I, I, I was like a pro. Yeah. If you're listening to this, you probably know by now you need to go to neverheardpodcast.com. That'll take you everywhere you need to go. So come visit yeah. us. Facebook, Instagram, we're out there. We're a little bit active here and there. And we like getting those suggestions. Craig. Sean. How the hell are you? I'm great. Summer is uh, in its, you know, we're in our second half. We're looking at the back nine of summer 2018. We are. And uh, things are things are going well. We have freshly baked cookies in the house wow. and um, almost everyone's asleep. So this is the best time of day almost. I'd like to start this episode actually by talking about something else that slipped by, Craig. Oh, no. You ever listen to our episodes and be like, oh, you know what? I meant to talk about this. Oh. That. Yeah. And just in general, mm-hmm. sound a lot smarter. Oh, it, yeah. just me. I'm still waiting for that to kick in. Yeah, well, it's not going to happen, but I did want to take mm-hmm. just a second today because we forgot to do this last time. We talked about The Harder They Come and Rise last month, as That's everybody right. hopefully knows by now. We didn't talk about any sort of final thoughts comparing the two. So I want to put you on the spot here and That's say right. if you had to pick one to watch again in the next 10 minutes, uh, which one are you putting on first, Craig? I'm putting Rise on. And why? It's hard to say except that I know myself. You do, intimately. I do. <laughs> I've I've been introduced <laughs> yes. in the last few weeks. <laughs> no, I, I know myself and I know that it's better if there's something in front of me that really grabs my attention. Gotcha. With both hands and kind of slaps me around. And that would be Rise. Mm-hmm. Both movies are very entertaining, but... Uh, Harder They Come is is a little less grabby, as far as I'm concerned, than Rise. So that, that's that's really where I'm putting it. What about you? I completely agree with you, and yet I feel more drawn to The Harder They Come. I, hmm. I don't know why exactly. I think a lot of it has to do with the soundtrack. It does sure. feel like a movie I could put on and be okay with the fact that it's not going to grab me because it was just like, oh, yeah, there's some cool music happening in the background. And yeah. as we talked about, one of those movies that really kind of transports you to a different place. I don't know. There's something about that that I'm like, I would absolutely watch that movie again. And sure. hopefully we'll do so sometime. So that's it. That's my pick. This month, we're going to do a little sci-fi fun, which... Gosh, I mean, I feel like outside of some of the stuff we talked about in our 1985 series, we haven't really touched on this genre at all that I can recall. So it's high time. And we have a movie today that was suggested to us by listener Peter Fedak. Peter, thank you. And you're going to be able to watch it on Amazon Prime right now if you are a Prime member. It is streaming. The movie is Forbidden World. Uh, We're going to find out a little bit more from Peter about what he likes about this movie and why he suggested it. But first, Craig, I think you're going to fill people in on who made this movie, as we do in these tee-ups. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, how it was made. That sounds about right, uh, Sean. That's what I'm going to do. going to tell the good people listening all about 
Forbidden World. A galactic troubleshooter summoned to the Forbidden World. Held in an icy grip of fear by a weird biological mutation. Part alien, part human, all nightmare. Reproduce. Sean, so Forbidden World, it's a science fiction masterpiece from 1982. I shouldn't say that. That, that really sounds like I'm taking a, a low shot at it. I haven't seen a frame of this movie. Yeah, yet. I know nothing about it. I will say I've seen the poster and I dig it. If what's on the poster actually happens in the movie, even like a quarter of it, I'll be pretty happy. Yeah, but it's, it's a good bet that, you know, you could take either or in this case and you might you might come out the winner because uh, yeah. a lot of these movies, that the poster does not reflect what's on the screen. But anyway. No, I'll skip to maybe the most important part of my cast and crew here. Okay. It, and, and that is that it's produced by Roger Corman. Roger Corman has produced everything that was ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, since the beginning of time he's maybe best known for movies like little shop of horrors wild angels he started producing things i'm just get a year for you as far as imdb is concerned the first thing he uh produced like full produced was a movie called monster from the ocean floor sounds amazing can i guess a date yeah 1942 same year as casablanca so close. Oh. It was only 12 years later. Okay. Uh, 1954. Okay. He, he started producing things in 1954. This doesn't include things he directed, acted in, wrote, any of that. He started making movies in 1954. He has a producing credit right now in 2018. And I would say he has produced at least three movies a year since 1954. Wow. And probably more some years, right? Yeah. Like, there's a part of me, there's that part of me that feels like, you know how whenever you create something, anyone out there who creates anything, you always go through those modes of like, I'm terrible and this is terrible and nothing I ever has made is any good at all. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when I look at this guy doing all of these movies, my thought is, that's so smart. Because, I mean, just law of averages, you're going to make some good stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, if you only make three movies, most likely, maybe all three of them are going to be terrible. But yeah. this guy... He just pours the movies out. I, I really kind of love that idea. I know. Every day I feel like there's a struggle to get anything remotely yeah. close to approaching a conversation of being made. I mean, scripts that I've written for producers. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. You know, I got drawers full of them, as does any writer, yeah. any director, et cetera. And uh, now this guy like figured out the formula to... Just, just get shit made, and that's uh, yeah, it's remarkable. I'm gonna touch a little bit on some recent news about Corman uh, in my part, but yeah, uh, I'm glad you you started with him. No, right on. Uh, uh, so, so Roger Corman produced this movie. There's another producer I'll talk about in a little bit. But man, I mean, really, Camel Spiders. I want to see like every movie this guy's <laughs> ever produced. Yeah, and launched so many directors too. By the way. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. So anyway, but Forbidden World was directed by a gentleman by the name of Alan Holtzman, who the most recognizable credit I found for him, uh, other than doing Forbidden World, was he, he edited Battle Beyond the Stars, mm. which I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. It was like 1980, 
you know, it was in the middle of our like Star Wars fever. Everyone had to make movies set in space. Right. And I've always loved that title, Battle Beyond the Stars. I think that's great. It's a good one. You know, instead of just calling it Star Battles, which I think is like anybody else would want to call it that. <laughs> yeah. uh, the writers, they're a whole, a whole slew of them. First one uh, by the name of Tim Kernan. I did not find any other uh, recognizable credits for him that would that would move the needle. Mm-hmm. We have another fellow by the name of R.J. Robertson. He uh, wrote um, Beastmaster Two, Wow, House Four, and 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 several other movies that I, I also wasn't familiar with. But here's the thing: third writer I have here is Jim Wynorski. Have we done something else by Jim Wynorski? I went through his whole page and I couldn't find anything that we'd done before does that name ring a bell to you it doesn't no i'm, I'm looking right now okay. and uh no no nothing's jumping out maybe it's just one of okay. those names that you know for some other reason it seems like he's a guy who just just makes movies and he's definitely been very uh intertwined with roger corman here's just just to name a couple of the many many movies he has directed not of this earth which was a uh tracy lord's movie back when tracy lord's first started to to try and go legit uh-huh Chopping Mall, which yeah. is, I mean, everyone's favorite. Busty Cops too. Never seen that, <laughs> but I'm, I, I kind of dig the the title. The Hills Have Thighs. Yeah. Why not? You could check that out. Piranaconda. I'm interested to watch Piranaconda, <laughs> and uh, and and one of the most recent ones, Cobra Gator. Cobra. I don't even know how that works. I, I, I'm Cobra dying to see Cobra Gator. Gator. Huh. But I mean, tons of stuff like this. And again, this is a guy who has that kind of career that in a way i feel like would almost be kind of comfortable like yeah yeah. this movie sucks but next week i'm making another movie four movies uh listed in 2017 yeah there's no rest there's no resting there's no there's no um, and it looks like he also has uh at least a couple pseudonyms one of which is harold blueberry and another is sam peppermint (laughs) fantastic not only does he make all the movies he took all the good names yeah Okay, so our producers, we mentioned Roger Corman. He made everything. We also have another producer on this name, Mary Ann Fisher. She produced uh, at least another movie called Space Jacked. Uh, She was also a producer on Battle Beyond the Stars. Our music is by Susan Justin. And I realized when I read that the music was by Susan Justin, how surprised I was that it was a woman. And I really haven't kept track of it, but I do feel like most of the time we've had men composing music in these movies uh, you're so, probably right yeah so i mean shout out to the to our our lady composer today mm-hmm. she also uh did the music for a movie called the final terror which is a horror movie i have not seen that i feel like i really need to see i've heard a lot about it lately for some reason it's also from the 80s maybe we'll pick that up at some point okay uh she also did the music for disability rights advocates 20 years of service huh i think that was an alan holtzman documentary right yeah our director of photography, uh, and I'm going to mess this name up, Tim, but I'm going to say it anyway because you have earned it. Tim uh, Surstit. Tim Surstit. It seems, Tim, it seems like the H in your name is in the wrong place. It's just a suggestion. But um, <laughs> but he has, has shot lots of stuff that we know. He's done Idiocracy. He shot Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Right Buffy on. the Vampire Slayer, the movie. She, he did the Silicon Valley show, at least a bunch mm. of episodes of that. He shot Teen Wolf. Hey. Uh, he shot the movie Critters, if you like Critters. He shot the movie Mannequin. Uh, shot a bunch of Wonder Years episodes. Tim's done a lot of good work. That's crazy. Congratulations, Tim. Alan Holtzman uh, did some of the editing along with Martin Nicholson. 
who has also had quite the long career. He's done tons of TV stuff. His latest is the show The Alienist, which I think came out this year. Yes. But he's done Game of Thrones, 30-something, Deadwood, and that's just to name very few. Wow. He's done yeah. tons and tons of stuff. And that takes care of our crew. Let's get into our cast, which uh, is has a lot of interesting uh, folks going on here. I bet it does. I bet it does. It really does. Uh, so we've got... We've got uh, Jesse Vint as Mike Colby. He was in Silent Running. You might have seen him in Chinatown. He played a farmer in the valley. Huh. Uh, we have Don Dunlap playing Tracy Baxter. Probably her most notable credit uh, was in the movie Night Shift, that Ron Howard movie. Oh, yeah, Another yeah, movie yeah. I've never seen. I've always wondered about that. Michael Keaton, right? Michael Keaton yeah, uh, and, and the Fonz. Yes. Yeah, I want to see that. Uh, uh, June Chadwick as Dr. Barbara Glazer. Now, she played Lydia in V. I don't know if you're a big fan of the V uh, miniseries. I definitely watched it growing up, but I don't remember Lydia. But I'm sure oh, she was fantastic. Man. She was fantastic. She was also in Spinal Tap, but I couldn't hey. figure out which, okay. which uh, character she was. Lyndon Childs. He plays Dr. Gordon Hauser. He's just... All I wrote here was he's done tons of TV. Like, it just looks like he would just walk off the set of one television show and onto the set of another <laughs> television show. And that's all he's done for, like, 60 years. Yeah, okay. uh, he's just acted in every damn thing. Fox Harris, great name, Fox, uh, playing <laughs> Dr. Cal. <laughs> you think, think that makes Fox feel good? I, I hope so, yes. Well done, Fox, being named Fox. How much play do you think he gets out of that What Does the Fox Say song? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. That's a good question. Or, you know, he probably gets, he, he'd do a lot of puns with like the crazy like a fox. Oh, yeah. But anyway, Fox Harris plays Dr. Cal Timbergen. I'll tell you what, these names are pretty good. Um, these cats, I mean, I, like, I feel like, Jesus yeah, there's doesn't... not really a boring name yet at yeah. all. Okay. Fox was in Repo Man. He's in Sid and Nancy. Nice. Uh, you might see him run by in, in any of those movies. Uh, we've got Ray Oliver, sometimes known as Raymond Oliver. Raymond. He plays Brian Beale. He was in Child's Play. He was in Private Benjamin. He was in a Living Color episode. Oh, good. He's, he's, done, he's been all over the map. He's done a lot of good stuff. Uh, we've got Michael Bowen playing uh, Jimmy Swift. Now, Michael, he's been in Kill Bill, Jackie Brown. Uh, the thing you might recognize his face from, though, is if you were a Breaking Bad fan, he played, he played Uncle Jack, like the guy who, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, Jack. spoiler alert, He's the one who shoots, uh, uh, what, what is he, Special Agent, uh, what's his name? My name is Special Agent, nah, 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 and you can go fuck yourself. Hank? And then, he, and then Yeah, Hank. He shoots Hank. Okay. Anyway, Sean, in this movie, we also have Scott Pollan playing Earl Richards. And the only thing I need to tell listeners of this podcast is that he's the drama teacher from Teen Wolf. Oh, that guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We liked him, didn't so, we, if I remember correctly? Oh, man, I love that guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm interested yeah. to see him play something other than that. Wait, was he also the coach in Teen Wolf? No. No, okay. No. Uh, wolf out, uh, wolf, whatever it is. Yeah, okay. Do that. <laughs> yeah, like that guy. Oh, God, I love that guy. But that is the world of Forbidden World. Great. Craig, as you might expect, there's some decent trivia behind the scenes here, but uh, so. we'll get into it here. This movie was originally envisioned as an outer space version of Lawrence of Arabia by Alan Holtzman <laughs> because, you know, if you're going to be ambitious, you might as well sh shoot, Go all the <laughs> literally way, shoot for the stars. Yeah. Corman apparently told him that, you know, the budget for that might be 
a little too high. <laughs> so eventually Holtzman decided he wanted to do Alien, basically. And Corman was like, yeah, that sounds great. That's that's fantastic. They shot for 20 days in California. They were in Santa Clarita, Venice, and uh, the Vasquez Rocks Natural Area Park in Agua Dulce. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with. Sweet water. I came across a budget of a million bucks, which still kind of sounds high based on what I'm hearing, but I, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, that sounds pretty healthy. Because Roger Corman didn't make that movie for more than like $100,000 probably. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm a little confused by that, but that's what IMDb yeah. has. interesting. Nonetheless, this is Corman, so we're talking about maximizing the budget as much as possible. And according to Holtzman... Sure. Just about everything in this movie was recycled from previous productions, except for the jumpsuits on the actresses, including some of the story. So, uh, yeah, Jim Wynorski and R.J. Robertson basically, apparently, based their treatment on the aforementioned Attack of the Crab Monsters. At least I think you mentioned that one, right? There was something about a crab, wasn't there? Uh, I didn't mention it in this write-up, no. Okay, sorry. Well, 1957's. Attack of the Crab Monsters apparently has some similarities here. I did talk about uh, Pir- Piranaconda. Maybe yeah, that's, that's true. Thinking. Maybe, yeah. Uh, it does reuse some of the same sets that James Cameron used for his film debut in uh, Galaxy of Terror, which is also a Roger Corman movie. Nice. I found a site called parallaxview.org, which I'm not terribly familiar with, but they broke it down even further saying that Corman offered Alan Holtzman, who had direct, I think, edited uh, a movie called New World for Corman, um, a shot at directing a feature. If he could write a scene to make use of one specific set that they had built for Galaxy of Terror, right? Right. But there were a couple of conditions. Uh, Holtzman had to deliver the script in a couple days. He had to shoot it with a minimal cast over a weekend uh, before they tore down the set. And they had to make sure that the scene was open-ended basically a prologue for a script that they would then write later. (laughs) So I think that's kind of how this developed a little bit. But the effects footage in the movie, at least in the opening space battle, comes directly from Battle Beyond the Stars. Yes. Uh, There are apparently some slaughtered animals in a lab in this movie, so we can look forward to that. There were actual dead animals that they got from the pound. Yeah, there are modular forms which are used for set decoration in the hallways of a research lab that are actually hinged lid styrofoam sandwich boxes. (laughs) I think they they tried to make it work as best as possible with what they had, which is what you love about Roger Corman's movies, correct? That's true. Now, Dawn Dunlap, uh, originally that was cast with a much older woman. I, that's their words, if not mine, okay? Who was an ex-Playboy bunny, but Dunlop walked into the audition a day before principal photography was to begin, and Holtzman pleaded with producers to sign her for the part. They very reluctantly made a new contract for her, probably just because, I mean, who wants to make a new contract the day before, you know? Yeah, no. Now, originally this movie was also known as Mutant. I think that was Holtzman's preferred title, and it was a little bit longer. But, Craig, they had a test screening, and Roger Corman uh, did not enjoy it because apparently people were laughing at some of the comedic passages 
And he didn't think that fit in this movie that he was trying to position as just a like a sci-fi horror thing, I guess. And so yeah. they cut out about yeah six, seven minutes of it and changed the title. Now, I found this other thing, and I think this was from IMDb, that said there was a screening where Corman actually smacked somebody, an audience member, for laughing at the film. Whoa. But it also says that when Roger left the theater, the same person poured soda all over his head, which just, the whole story just sounds kind of of fake. (laughs) But I like it, nonetheless. Yeah. The movie finally did make its way into theaters on May 7th, 1982. Got a couple taglines for you. Uh, On the poster, it says, a science fiction horror in deep space, which is nice. It just tells you exactly what it is is just right there. No no poetry, just give us what it is. Right above the title, too. Like, uh, doesn't matter who's in it, this is what it is. (laughs) Also, on the same poster, they've got part alien, part human, all nightmare. There's another one that says, the seed is planted, the nightmare grows. Uh, And lastly, uh, hmm. deadly, forbidden, and alive, which I think you would just assume it's alive if it's, you know, I don't know. Anyway. Well, I mean, a rock that's falling could be deadly and forbidden. Yeah, but that's a good not, point. not alive. Yeah. Uh, in Spain, this movie was known mm-hmm. as Galaxia Prohibida, Forbidden Galaxy, Craig. That's uh, I'm going to translate that for you, yeah, which I kind of like. Uh, that's what I would have called it. Box Office Mojo does not go back quite this far. Well, actually, I take that back. They do go back to 82, but they did not have this movie in its database as far as making any sort of impact <laughs> in, uh, in that particular right. year. But what I did find was the weekend it was released, Porky's, number one movie in America, $3.4 million, Craig. Wow. Yeah, I know. You also had in top 10 a movie called Paradise, The Sword and the Sorcerer, Chariots of Fire, Victor Victoria, Partners, If You Could See What I Hear on Golden Pond, Death Trap, and da, 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 number 10 was Quest for Fire. Oh, yeah, I know. our old friend. Yeah, I think very fondly about that movie. Yeah. I'm going to watch it again. But, you know, as the case with a lot of these movies, I'm sure it benefited greatly from the, the onslaught of VHS and VHS rental stores. And anything in Corman's world kind of eventually becomes somewhat of a cult thing. And so, yeah, this movie was re-released in 2010 by Shout Factory on Blu-ray. I think there's, I think it's a double feature with Galaxy of Terror, or at least there's that option. And they do contain the original extended cut, known as Mutant, which it'll be interesting to watch this version on Amazon Prime and see if we think it could be improved by a little levity, because so, it sounds like the comedy got cut out. Yeah. It probably won't surprise you too much, Craig, to find out. It was uh, generally panned by critics. Uh. And I'll quote Wikipedia here. As a cheap, exploitive imitation of Alien with sex, nudity, uneven editing, cheap special effects, and an audio track that some found unpleasant, end quote. Um, (laughs) Time Out magazine said, quote, While the writer conjured up everything he could remember about Alien, the rest of the New World crew were working out how to reproduce Scott's film for about 50 bucks. But, you know... To each its own, obviously, there's this type of movie appeals to certain people. And so I found a review by Thomas Duke at a blog called Cinema Gonzo. Quote, Forbidden World was director Alan Holtzman's first film, and he curiously begins and ends the film with a quick-cut montage of images from the entire movie. 
Further lending to the idea of a pop art take on a B-grade pulp material while never standing outside of the genre. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. From that uh, Parallax View site, Sean Axemaker wrote, Forbidden World gets my vote for both the most gratuitous nudity ever perpetrated in a sci-fi movie and the most inventive distraction from dull exposition. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, it was nominated for three Saturn Awards. Uh, best, wow. yeah, low budget feature, best makeup, and best special effects. So awesome. A few little bits of miscellaneous trivia. The recycling did not stop with this movie. In fact, it was remade in 1991 by Corman under the title Dead Space. Um, he served as an executive producer on that, and the remake has minor variations, but still retains the plot and character stylings of the original. So we'll have to check that out at some point. Oh, wow. Interestingly, I found this little tidbit. Karen Wilson, who did sound, who's also worked on Saving Private Ryan, Waterworld, The Fugitive, a ton of huge movies, mm -hmm. apparently provided the noises for the mutant by cramming a microphone down her throat, which oh. uh. I'm going to guess she didn't stick that down her throat. I mean, that just sounds, yeah, come on. That sounds a little Maybe gross, she put yeah. it in her mouth. That's fine. Uh, sure. I don't know. That was, that was one of the I don't tidbits. recommend, yeah, I don't recommend doing that. And hey, do you own Star Wars The Force Awakens? I do. Okay, well, apparently there's a creature in one of the crowd scenes that strongly resembles the mutant in this movie. So it might be worth looking into that again the next I time you watch it. Yeah. And so kind of as we did last time, I'm going to just briefly uh, talk about the other things that IMDb recommends. You may also like... No big surprise here. I think they did a lot better. You know, we chastised them a little bit for their picks with Rise. Here they got Galaxy of Terror, Humanoids from the Deep, Battle Beyond the Stars, Star Crash, The Deadly Spawn, and Barbarian Queen, which my guess is are all Roger Corman movies. Yeah, I'd say at least uh, most of those are. Yes. Now, I mentioned some very recent news about Corman. What do you got? So apparently he sold his entire library, he and his wife, uh, to Shout Factory, which is a great label as far as releasing DVDs is concerned. I mean, like, they've done some fantastic Blu-rays, uh, a lot of Carpenter stuff, a lot of the Palma stuff, anything from that, like, heyday of the 80s, like, they're into it yeah. and do it right. But the sale, sadly, has been contested by his sons. Now, as far as I know, Roger Corman's still, still with us, correct? Uh, I think he's, yeah, like, 91. Yeah, he's 91, according to this article, which was written in April of this year. And basically, it sounds like the lawsuit that they're filing is trying to block it because the library has already been part of a trust. And they're mm -hmm. claiming that Roger and specifically his wife, Julie, have neglected their obligations to the trust. And that she has worked for more than a decade to undermine Roger's estate plan. Which yep. you hate to hear. Yeah. You know, I'd be curious to see exactly how much money Roger Corman has made off of these things because they seem like such small budgeted things. But I'm sure, you know, especially when you're selling an entire library, that, that's probably a good chunk of change. Uh, well, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's got like just it seems like just hundreds of movies. Yeah. Like, and especially the, the anything, world that we're in yeah. right now where the likelihood that they're buying these to not only release on home video, but to probably sell and remake in some capacity as many as they can yeah. uh, hopefully they'll iron that out in a sort of amicable fashion but uh we'll keep our eyes peeled for that 
and hope for the best. Craig. That's me, Sean. May 7th, 1982. On that day, IBM released DOS version 1.1. Coincidence? I think not. (laughs) I think probably, actually. I think strongly it's a coincidence. But that's it. That's all I got for Bidden World. I'm excited to check this out. You know, I think when we started this podcast, we kind of like specifically strayed away from movies that we suspected, you know, are not going to be necessarily high quality when we're trying to find those like hidden gems that are really good. Yeah. But that said, I'm totally looking forward to this. It'd be nice to do something that's just like straight up fun that we know is, is made quick down and dirty and kind of see what they brought to the table. I mean, I, I think, you know, that's exciting. Like, those people that worked for Corman and that were directors, like they knew like, you know, this is my chance to make a movie. And if I can prove that I can do it at like this budget, hopefully that's a stepping stone. So, you know, I always like to watch those and uh, we're going to pair it nicely. I think with the other movie we're going to do this month. So anything else you want to say on forbidden world, the tee up? I I mean, I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I think it's going to bring us lots of, uh, lots of happiness and nudity. It sounds like, yeah, a lot of male nudity. I can't wait. (laughs) That's what's forbidden about it. Any so uh, any last little words? If to a um, what are they on and no, those are the smallest words I can give you. Cool. We'll see you next time, folks. Thanks. Bye bye.